we are back in the garden. That's right, folks. I'm Maurice, and this is Gardening with Maurice. And today, we're going to be talking all about different types of gardens and vegetables. Nah, I'm just kidding. It's your boy, Harry Slime. Church Junkhead back at it again. You know what the fuck we do. The rowdiest motherfuckers this side of the Mississippi, baby. We're back in the saddle again. Chillin'. I hope everybody had a great Christmas. I hope everybody enjoyed themselves, was safe, all the fun stuff, you know. Hopefully the family wasn't too fucking crazy. I know how that can get. But hey, you know what? At the end of the day, at least you have yourself and your sanity. And if you made it through, hey, another one bites the fucking dust. By another one, I mean fucking Christmas. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? That shit rules. That's what we like to hear. So, anyways, I thought we'd do another one of the life and time of Harry Slime. I I think folks seem to really enjoy that. And needless to say, still in the childhood, still running around that area, wanted to jump straight in. I There's a couple of memories that I kind of wanted to share today, and I think you all will enjoy them. Needless to say. Oh, fun. We're doing rhymes now. But anyways, so most people don't know this about me, but when I was a little kid, I actually used to race cars. Like, I, I they were called quarter midgets. Apparently, that was politically correct back then. And needless to say, I would drive them around a little track, wreck into people, sometimes win races. I mean, the whole thing was pretty fucking cool for, you know, an 8, 9, 10-year-old to be able... It's like having your own go-kart that you get to take places and race other people in. It was fucking awesome, really. I, I, I really enjoyed, uh, you know, that stuff. When I was a young kid, um, I, I definitely got out of it when I was older just because, I mean, I feel like people can relate. I mean, racing is not that interesting. You know, it's... It's for some people, I understand. I'm not going to hate on them. That's that's your thing. By all means, do what you got to do. But, like, it's definitely not something that I would be interested in. Like, it's kind of cool to go to, the like, the track. But, like, I mean, like, watching... I guess watching it on TV is more what I'm talking about. The track isn't too bad because there's a lot of good people watching. A lot of fucking rednecks there, that's for sure. And needless to say, you can... I mean, if you ever want just to see the most tackiest shit that you could ever fucking imagine, go to a race. I mean, it gets fucking wild over there. So, and I, I, I've been from everything from like the local short track to I went to a NASCAR race actually. So I, I've seen it all. I, I, it's, it's kind of fucking crazy, but I do remember. Uh, one time we were at the track and like one of the dads was like, uh, he was being the crew chief for his little kid's race car. And he was somebody that was definitely older than my dad. I would say he was probably in his mid to late fifties, maybe early sixties. So who knows? 
if he could have taken my dad in a fight, I mean, you know how those old dudes get sometimes. They can get pretty fucking rowdy quick. But I know that he tried to start some shit with my dad, and I remember, I'll never forget, like, his wife was there with him, and he... He referred to his wife as an old lady, which is, like, one of my favorite things that, like, the boomers do is when they they refer to their wife as, like, not like a woman that they love or a person that they care about, but as, like, a fucking animal in a yard somewhere. I don't know. I don't, like, an old lady, the old ball and chain, like, Jesus Christ, it sounds like your cellmate in prison, you fucking... And I understand that that's the joke, and I get that, and, like, you know, you can, there's more complexities to it, but, like, then there's literally some people in that generation who just, like, cannot wait for their spouse to die, and it's fucking ridiculous. Uh, I guess, I guess that's what happens when you get caught up with the wrong person. I'm, I'm glad I'm with the right person. Speaking of, Amanda's not on this pod, but... You know, she's doing her thing. Marion's doing wonderful. Just a little quick update there, but back into it. So racing around, you know, going to different tracks as a kid. I definitely remember that. I also played baseball. I also was, uh, I did, I remember I did basketball one year and I did like soccer, I think, for a year. But definitely more baseball and then I played football, which was a fucking disaster. Like, football was such a bad fucking idea because I just, I don't have the body type for it. I I was never really that aggressive in that way. I mean, because, like, I, I'm pretty sure I said it on the last one, but I, you know, I was playing violin and going to, like, art shows and stuff. I was more of that. I, I was gay as a little kid, basically. I, I was basically a gay little kid. And I just did not really... I liked like the athletic part of playing football, but I did not like the the hitting people. I actually I really wish I had played soccer because I think I would have done pretty well at that. But I definitely was moving into this direction to play football because I think my friends were doing it and I think that I wanted to kind of be a part of a crew, you know how that goes. And it just did not work out for me at all. I um I never got like seriously injured, but I definitely like sprained both of my ankles multiple times and I kind of fucked up my wrist doing it, which you know, that's always great for jerking off and all the fun stuff that you do with that. But needless to say, uh there was one time and I, I this should have told me right from the jump that this was a bad fucking decision and that I shouldn't be playing football. I should just go back to, you know, doing violin or whatever the fuck I was doing at this point in my life. I think I, this was this was my eighth grade year, and this was my first year playing football. Yeah, yeah, it was my first year. So it, it wasn't even, like, far into it. It was just, you know, my my first year. And I know that we were getting ready to start uh, contact drills, which for those of you who didn't play football, it's basically where you start to hit and you start to wear pads and start to beat the living shit out of each other and all that fun stuff. And I was, I, I was, you know, I was like 12 and I just really, I didn't have, I just didn't like that. I didn't like, I didn't like doing that any kind of way. It just, uh, it is funny. Cause like I, as I've gotten older, I got more, 
like uh, my mentality like I feel like I would wouldn't be bothered by it now but as a kid I just was not into that idea I was just not into that level of physicality but needless to say I went and we were starting contract con excuse me contact drills and I was like nervous and scared and I didn't want to do it, so I told my coach, instead of like just saying that I accidentally took a medicine or accidentally took a Tylenol and wasn't feeling well, I made up a whole thing about how I accidentally took my mother's birth control. And I do still, to this day, I still don't know what the fuck I was thinking. I don't know what brain nodule or whatever the fuck decided that was the thing to say in that moment. How, how did I choose that? But at 12, that's what the fuck came out of my mouth. And oh my God. I mean, even the coach roasted me. It was fucking terrible. It was not a good time. And then like I kept playing after that, which was like the worst fuck. I should have just quit in that fucking moment. Just, you know, completely get away from these fucking people because I clearly just ate fucking shit in front of them. And no, I just hung out, hung around for like two more years, like uh, two or three, somewhere around there. Uh, but anyways, just fucking hanging out like, uh, I guess I'm a part of this group. I guess I fit in. I guess I'm cool over here. So I, I understand. I read about and I hear from, you know, different friends you know, starting in like one social group and ending up in another, it's very, very, you know, understandable. And it's very like, I, I think almost part of the human experience is to kind of be in one social group for a certain point and then you kind of change and evolve, hopefully, and you end up in another one. And I think that's kind of what that was. And I think that was something that, really kind of changed who I was because I know when I quit football, my entire friend group changed. I started hanging out with different people, started getting more, well, and I started getting back into music and I started listening to way different things. Like I found punk rock and I found like grunge and I found like uh, jazz at that point and I found like, you know, like psychedelic rock of the 60s and all kinds of different shit. And I really, you know, started to develop my music taste and what I liked and what, you know, kind of made me into the artist that I am today. And I mean, I was always into comedy. Like, that's another thing that we kind of need to discuss is just whilst this is all going on, I I mean, I remember I first I couldn't even say the word comedian. I thought there was like 40 different E's in it and just blew my fucking mind. Just the idea of that word. And then I remember, um, I, I might have talked about this part on the last one, I'm not sure, but I definitely watch Martin Lawrence's uh, stand-up special where he's wearing, I can't remember the name of it is, but he's wearing a yellow leather outfit. It's very, very prominent, like for people who know the Martin Lawrence specials, you know which one I'm talking about. But I remember seeing that one as a kid, and I was pretty fucking blown away by it. And then I, I also remember seeing Cheech and Chong as a kid. That was explains a lot, really. Um, but as far as like stand up and stuff, I started to get more and more into this. 
and like not only stand up, I mean radio comedy like I remember I my dad was super into Bob and Tom and so I listened to them I actually because of the Bob and Tom CDs I've known about Mark Marin for fucking years not like trying to brag about that or anything but he was he was one of the comedians on a Bob and Tom compilation CD and I remember really liking his bit it was something about like getting drunk passing out in your driveway with a lit cigarette in your mouth I can't remember exactly how it went but it was a funny ass bit but I loved, loved comedy, and then I started getting into, you know, uh, let's see, what else did I get into at that point? I, around this point, I know he's canceled right now, I know everybody fucking hates him, but at the, around this point, I was starting to get into Dave Chappelle, who, you know, everybody fucking hates, and then I remember... I'm not even going to lie. I mean, I think everybody in America was, but at a certain point I was into Dane Cook and I was like into that for a little bit. I I didn't like it for too long. I do remember that, but I remember enjoying it for a certain point. And then um let's see here. I know around this point my like grandfather had like shown me like uh Monty Python's the in the the Holy Grail that movie, so I, I I got into like that kind of British comedy and all that types of shit. So lots of different influences were kind of starting to bubble, and I I literally through those influences I found new people in my life because I had something in common with them, which was the things that I like. So I you know if you're somebody. Whether it be, I don't think we have people in high school who listen to this pod, but even as an adult, you know, if your social group changes, it's not a crazy thing. I think it's uh, more normal than people realize or people give credit for, and I wouldn't feel, you know, very weird about it. I would let it, the change, uh, you know, flow or whatever those fucking hippie type people say. Who the fuck knows? So, around this point... You know, I'm getting into music and stuff. I'm starting to really develop. I started to do, like, I, I think a little bit beyond this point, and I think we'll get into to more of that later, um, is when I started to, you know, do, like, mics and stuff like that and, like, really kind of to put my talent out there. But this was, like, when the point in my life when I started to develop the bedroom dweller inside me which i feel like people who listen to this podcast know exactly what the fuck i'm talking about it's that you never leave your bedroom and i think some of it is depression but i think some of it is is like if you have like a certain type of talent it requires a lot of sitting in a space and just working on it and getting better at it you obviously need to put that talent out there and see what people like and grow from that but there is a, a good deal of just grinding and really kind of just learning the ins and outs of your thing. And I, my parents really aren't, and my family for that matter, they're not like the most cultured type. Like they, they love Garth Brooks and Duck Dynasty and shit like that. And I didn't really, my uncle uh, is like a classically trained piano player, but he really doesn't interact with the family. He actually passed away recently. Rest in peace, Howard. But uh, he didn't really interact with us that much. So 
I mean, and like, granted, my family would like take me to like the local youth. Like, my grandmother would take me to the local youth symphony, and like, there would be kind of things like that. I'm not gonna say that there weren't, but their general diet of culture was very, you know, like country music, mainstream television of that variety type. So I had to develop all of my taste kind of on my own. And there there are some things, like, I think that, like, uh, both my mom and uh, my dad like The Doors, and I think that kind of helped me get into other things from the 60s. I'm not, like, a big Doors guy, but that kind of helped me get into other stuff from the 60s. And uh, from that, I, my mom, like, in the 90s was also into Ozzy Osbourne's, like, solo stuff, so... From that, I think I could at least appreciate, like, kind of heavier music, and I do appreciate that. But I, there's not very much nuance, and I had to develop that by, you know, getting into all different types of music and art and paintings and comedy and movies and shit like that. All the wonderful things that take to develop your uh, artistic sense. And, I mean, the product is kind of... The uh, the seedlings, I think, were grown in the bedroom dwelling. And I I, I don't hate my parents for... Because I, I think... I, I think the part of the reason why I did it is because I didn't really understand the world. And I didn't... Like, they... My parents are very young. My mom had me when she was 19. So they were very confused, very just kind of uh, throwing shit against the wall and seeing what sticks. And I could kind of tell that from a very early age, and it did not make me very comfortable because it's like it's kind of like being in a car with somebody who really doesn't understand how the wheels work. It's uh, you get a little dicey. So I, I just kind of shut off and went into my bedroom and... I think part of my personality was kind of developed off of that. Part of my personality was kind of developed off of the idea that I uh, went into, uh, and the internet too, I went and dive deep into the wild west of the internet, you know, and that was another shaping factor on my personality as well. So I, I don't, like, I... I I don't not I don't hate my parents. I do think that they could have done a way better job, but as somebody who is now raising kids, I understand that like you're kind of just uh guessing as you go. So, and I I've I've thought of that before. I I I I understand that they were young and like they uh they just were, you know, kind of clueless, kind of confused, and that's all right. And I I feel it. I really do empathize with that. But I do know um, it's, it's harder cause it, because of that, like we don't, I think because of those moments, we don't have like nearly as close of a connection, like now as an adult, because we don't have that formative development. And it's, I think, whereas with like my sister, who's a bit more like them, she has more common overlapping interest. I think it's easier for her to relate to them. And to kind of connect with them. Whereas me, I've I've always been kind of distant. Like, even before I lived in Cincinnati, I lived in other places. And 
was always kind of at least the bare minimum an hour away from them. So, you know, I we kind of did our separate thing and was always doing, you know, different things, which is obvious. I just said that. But I, I think that made the connection harder later in life. And I think we struggle with that. And I think we struggle with being uh, the idea of what uh, the world thinks as a family. But, you know, fuck what the world thinks. We got to kind of do our thing. That's what's important is how we operate. And I think everybody, you know, if, if your family's like that, you know, don't be afraid to tell them, like, look, this is kind of how I operate. And here's a little bit of, you know, I, I think this is kind of how my manual works for me. So, you know, use this to kind of interact with me better and to kind of be in a better place with me. So, uh, we don't feel so, uh, distant to, to each other as far as in, uh, you know, connection and conversation and stuff like that. And hell, I, maybe that'll even make the holidays easier. Holy shit. Seriously. That would be fucking cool. If we could make the fucking holidays easier, if we did that, Oh my God, we would save America. Church of Junkhead, here for the families. Now, before I uh, go, I do want to say that it's rough this time of year. People really struggle with uh, all different types of mental illness and crazy thoughts and crazy families and you know the whole fucking thing, so... You know, January's tough. It really is. I mean, the winter's tough in general with seasonal depression, but January especially is really fucking tough, especially around here in Ohio. It gets so gray, so bleak, so nasty. I mean, it is just fucking, it's rough. It's rough. So uh, if any of you need to talk, if any of you want to hang out, like, you know, because you just need somebody to kind of vent to, you know, let a, let me know. We're always here for you at the Church of Junkhead. That's, you, I mean, you're literally what's important. You listen to this podcast. So, you know, keep your head down and just get through it. And by the time, you know, if you don't think about it too much, it'll be fucking March and April and it'll be actually somewhat nice again. And we can go back to living somewhat of a normal life, I guess, maybe. I don't know what the Omicron, Omnicron, I don't know what the fucking name of it is. Who you know, who knows what that's going to do for the world. Woohoo! It kind of, it, it, it's kind of a, a bastard, all that stuff. But hey, isn't that fucking obvious? You know what I mean? Now, on that note, check out Junkhead Pod on Instagram and Facebook. Check me out on Instagram at, at Dirt Voyeur, D-I-R-T-V-O-Y-E-U-R. And you can also check out my art and music at digital underscore kintsugi that's k-i-n-t-s-u-g-i and with that junkhead is out
about this great human tragedies. But we all know the function of the media has never been to eliminate the evils of the world. No. Their job is to persuade us to accept those evils and get used to living with them. 